Hello, everybody. Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Bosses, where we interview badass investors who are crushing it in the commercial real estate space. I'm your host, Sierra Hoffman. And on today's call, we have Kevin Amolsch of Pine Financial Group. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Sierra, thank you so much for having me. I love the name of your podcast, Bosses. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. I think it was inspiration. It just came to me one day. I'm like, I want to start a real estate podcast and call it commercial real estate bosses. So here we are. <laughs> All right, Kevin. So I would love to know more about your story. I know you have a lot of experience in real estate. So why don't you tell our audience your background and how did you get into doing commercial real estate? Yeah. So it, it takes me back to when I was just getting out of high school. And I know you're, this is more about commercial, but I got started in the, in the residential side. And I think a lot of commercial real estate investors start on on the residential side and then graduate into the larger numbers and the commercial stuff. But I was out of high school. I went into the army and I was saving a little bit of money, but I didn't know what to do with it. So I started reading investment books. I picked up that little purple financial Bible that we all have read, the rich dad, poor dad. And that and many others all said the same thing. You really should focus on real estate as an investment vehicle because a lot of people make money in this industry. So I bought my first house. I was 21, moved into it, moved out of it two years later, 23 years old, had my very first rental property. And I saw the appreciation. I saw the tax benefits. I saw the cash flow. I saw the tenant paying off my mortgage. I saw all the things that you see as a real estate investor and the benefits. So I decided to really focus in on this industry and this career. Mm -hmm. And I started getting into more creative stuff because I was, look, I was in college. I was a college kid. I didn't have credit or cash. So yeah. I had to figure out how do you make a living without those things? And I started buying a house or two every single month. And through that, I, I really was attracted to the financing side of real estate. The mm -hmm. deal structure, this is especially true in commercial. The mm -hmm. way you structure your deal, the way you negotiate it, how you write the offer has everything to do with how you're going to finance it. The partners you're bringing in, the money you're bringing in, where all of that's coming from. If the seller's participating, for example. So I really love the financing side of the business. And I started raising private money and loaning that out to other real estate investors. And then one client of mine out in Minnesota, he was a fix and flipper, but he had a ton of experience and he got into the commercial side and he kind of like drug me along with it. <laughs> so I started going to this commercial mentorship program, like a mm -hmm. mastermind where all these high powered commercial guys and gals get together and they just talk about the deals they're working on. And so I got in with that group and then I just started doing my own commercial deals and then mm -hmm. we're financing commercial projects. And so it's just been, it's been that process. Nice. So started off very young and you said you were doing one or two deals a month with creative financing. That's a lot. How did you pull that off? So, so literally I was, I didn't feel like I was sleeping. So I was in <laughs> school, I was in school and I had a job, but here's where what, the key for me my job was in a call center and it was all inbound. So I was trying to help people with loans, credit cards and car loans and HELOCs and that kind of thing at a local bank. Mm -hmm. uh, but they would call in asking for help. So when that phone wasn't ringing, I was able to do homework. So that was huge for me because then when I was at home on the weekends or sometimes in the evenings, I was mostly I worked in the evenings, but when I was home on the weekends and some evenings, I would be able to do real estate. Mm -hmm. So I would set up appointments with motivated sellers by cold calling them, cold calling foreclosure lists and FISBOs and FURBOs for rent by owner, for sell by owner. Mm -hmm. While I was walking between classes, while I was on my lunch break at work, and then I'd go to those appointments on the weekend and try to buy their house. Wow. That's how I did it. True hustler. <laughs> True hustler. That's how you got to get started. Love it. 
And so tell us about what you're involved in right now. So you do lending and you have a lot of experience. You've done a lot of transaction. Tell us how you've progressed and where you're at today. Yeah, we're getting close to 2,500 deals now. Wow. So back in 2006, I started raising money. And then in 2008, and my mm-hmm. partner and I that I was working with split. And she likes to teach real estate. I'm a trenches deals guy. So I like to do deals. And so I started Pine Financial Group in 2008. And so 15 mm-hmm. years. And it started off with like just brokering private money. So I'll bring in one investor to one real estate investor and bring them together and charge a mm-hmm. fee. And the feedback was, this is too risky because all my money is going into one loan. This is too much money at once to even get involved. And there's no liquidity, no diversification. I got a solution for that. So I created a fund and that was 2009. And then it's just grown from there. So now we have four funds. We're working with a little over 130 million in private capital. And that's where we are now. Love it. I think a lot of people right now are, it's 2023, we're experiencing some disruption, I guess you can say as far as interest rates have really impacted the way that people are doing business right now. So how do you think that this recession, considering that you've been through 2008, how do you think this recession will play out and how will it impact real estate? Well, it's so interesting that this is a focused on commercial real estate because that's the sector that's going to get hit. And the reason I say that is because this is very very much more similar to 1990s than it was in 2008. And the big reason for that is the rising interest rates or the high interest Mm -hmm. rates. And that impacts commercial way more than it impacts residential real estate. All we hear about in the news is this is hurting the home buyers. They can't afford the home and everything. But look, there's a lot of cash out there and there's still people transacting business on the residential side, commercial too. But here's the thing. In the commercial space, it's all investors. They're shooting for cash on cash returns. They're looking for net operating income. They're looking for return on their investment. And the way they finance that deal has everything to do with all of those, really. So if you're paying more for your money, you have to get a higher cap rate in order to hit the returns that you're looking for. So I think my humble opinion is we're going to see cap rates start going up. We already are seeing that. And I know by the time this releases, it will be different, but the one that's holding on a little bit is a multifamily. I'm, I'm really surprised how sticky that is, but it's yeah. that's still incredibly low. There is room for that those cap rates to go up. So I would say there's going to be lots of opportunities in the commercial space. I love it. Now tell us about the type of commercial deals that your company deals with. Are you doing all different types when it comes to commercial or is there a certain asset class that tends to be traded more than others in your experience? Such a good question. We do pretty much all value add. So everything we do is short-term, high-leverage lending. So by using a company like mine, you can get a loan for a higher amount of your cost. So loan Mm -hmm. to cost is much higher, which will eliminate the need to bring in a bunch of partners. Partners are very expensive. They're great because they share risk, but they're expensive. So Mm -hmm. using debt partners over equity partners can be a little cheaper. We're seeing a ton, to answer your question, we're seeing a ton of like inline retail centers, the neighborhood type retail centers and industrial conversions. So going from big box-ish to Mm -hmm. 5,000, 7,000, maybe 10,000 square foot base. And there's demand there. So it's converting bigger spaces into small spaces where the demand is. I do think we're going to start seeing more conversions. So seeing some hotel or hospitality converted into apartments, but you're going to see more office. That's Mm -hmm. a hurting sector for sure. Yeah. So you'll see some more office conversions here, I think. Got it. And tell us about what type, what makes you different from other lenders? I know that you 
are basically you're connecting private money to investors, right? So what makes you different from the typical lender we see in the commercial real estate space? A lot of local banks, regional and local community banks, they dominate the commercial space. From what I've seen, the government, you have government that too. And and they're tightening up right now. Look, we've had bank failures and, and bank runs mm-hmm. and you don't want too much exposure to any one asset. So a lot of banks are saying, look, we've got too much. There's some banks with over 60% of their assets in commercial loans. So they have to re-diversify. So as banks slow and stop lending, you're going to start seeing investors go to the private guys. So we're just, we're privately funded. Mm-hmm. We have what I call common sense underwriting. Like we look at the deal, we look at the exit strategy, uh, we look at the sponsor, of course, but if you could paint the picture on how you're going to be successful through this transition or however, whatever you're going to do with the project, we want to try to get it figured out with you. We want to do the deal with you. We don't make you fit in this little tiny box, right? Mm-hmm. We'll finance hundred percent of a deal. For example, if the numbers look good and we could see a good exit strategy and we're at a low loan to finished value or stabilized value. We'll finance 100% of the deal. So I think that's very attractive to real estate investors that are in the value add space. I love that. Yeah. So you do a lot of different creative financing and just kind of high level. Can you just, for our listeners who maybe not are not familiar with different types of creative financing, can you give some examples of different things that you've done? We won't get into the, the specific deal just yet, but I just wanted something high level that gives our audience an idea of what is creative financing. Well, it could mean not pretty much anything, right? If it's not <laughs> bank or conventional, it could be anything. So yeah. if you're looking at like tax credits or something, you could do, you can go that route. If you're a lot of what I've done before I got into the private lending stuff, my own real estate investing experience has all been owner financings, your master lease options, your just regular options, your uh, contract for deeds, your wrap mortgages, your subject to all of those mm-hmm. creative things that we hear so much about. That's my background. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get into the private financing and raising private capital, uh, the sky's the limit. You could, there's MES financing where you're securing the property with the, the C instead of the property itself, which appears as equity. So it makes it easier to go get a bank loan. There's, gosh, juniors, we're seeing lots of juniors, especially right now, we're seeing lots of owners carry back second mortgages and def- uh, burn to a bank or what do you call it? Subordinating to bank debt. All of that's what, in my opinion, fit under a creative bucket. So it sounds like you've got a lot of experience in that industry and that creative part of things. So for an investor who wants to get into a deal, maybe they don't see all the options that you're seeing. So how can they contact you or what's their process as far as being able to maybe guide them towards a creative financing solution? Yeah. Look, no one's successful by themselves. We hear, oh, I'm a self-made or self no one's self-made. <laughs> we all work together and this industry is very friendly, I found. And that's one of the reasons I love real estate. People really do want to help you. So whether it's me or somebody in your network, or if you join a, a like a mastermind group like I'm in, there's people around you that know and understand what you're doing. If you could get good at identifying an opportunity, maybe you don't know how to get to the finish line, mm-hmm. but then take it to your team, right? Take it to your network. And maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody else in a forum online, but I would go get help from someone that's done it before mm-hmm. uh, and just get their opinion. And a lot of times, unlike residential, commercial, mm-hmm. everyone partners with each other. True. There's lots yeah. of people that will bring in a deal. I want your brain, so I'm going to yeah. leverage your brain. So let me give you 10% of my deal and you help me through it mm-hmm. or something. I-, I would go that route instead of trying to beat myself up on trying to create the exact right <laughs> creative strategy. Makes sense. 
Now, you have a book called The 45-Day Investor. I don't know anything about it other than the title. So tell me, what is The 45-Day Investor? It's supposed to be it's so funny. <laughs> I was this punk kid, right? And I was doing one or two deals a month. And I was in, active in the association, the Real Estate Investor Association. And so people knew who I was and they wanted to understand, how are you buying so many, so many properties? So I'd get questions constantly. Like, how are you doing? How are you doing? Mm -hmm. How are you doing? So I was like, why don't I just write a book that's a biography, <laughs> right? I'll just nice. say, these are the exact steps. This is how I did it. This is my story. Mm -hmm. Well, it turned into not a biography. It's definitely a how-to book, but it's, it is the stories of what I did to be successful, the mistakes I've made. It has the scripts I used to convince sellers to even want to work with me, the documents I was using, all of that's in the book. So it's really a how-to buy a property with little or no money down. Uh, but it's, again, it focuses on the residential side because that was mm -hmm. my background. Perfect. So I want to switch gears a little bit here and move into a deal walkthrough. So maybe you can tell us about a creative deal or creative financing that you did either for your own deal or for one of your own clients and walk us through that whole process and how you were able to make the deal happen. That's interesting because we talked about this right before you hit record and I was going to tell you about this conversion of a Safeway building, but I, I have another one that might be yeah. better. Okay, so. sure. It was my own deal. It was a multifamily, but it was small. It was a four-unit building. Mm -hmm. And I locked it up on a master lease with an option to buy it. And I did a 10-year term. I was cash flowing about $1,000 every single month because I was subleasing it out to tenants. And this particular owner loved this because there's no management fees. It was promised the rent every month. <laughs> and then the market crashed. Well, really crashed. And then as we came out on the other end of it, it turns out that this was a fantastic neighborhood. So in Denver, it's in, it's right in really close to the city center. You could ride a bike into downtown, the financial district. So there's lots of bars and restaurants. There's a little lake. It's a great place to be. And so we start seeing all this redevelopment in the area. So I wanted to maybe look at redeveloping this property. So I was going to exercise my option and then redevelop it. But yeah. I didn't know how to do that. So here was where we come back to our team. I knew a guy that was developing in that neighborhood. So I asked him for his help. He was so sweet. He charged me a fee to do it, but he didn't take any of my upside. And what I ended up doing is um, going to the next door neighbor. I found that guy on Facebook because he wasn't answering his door. He wasn't responding to my direct mail. I couldn't get a hold of him, but I found him on Facebook because <laughs> you could find the owner of the house, right? On, yeah. on its public record. So I started messaging him on Facebook and he responded to me and I ended up buying wow. his lie. He had a house next door. So I bought his. Mm -hmm. And then the city, we were able to get them to vacate a portion of the alley because they didn't need the alley anymore. So mm -hmm. I took the alley. I took the neighbor. I had my option on my piece and I combined it all together. And I built 13 townhomes um, and wow. I sold them all. Uh, that was my first seven figure deal. So I made a little over a million dollars wow. on that. And it all started by calling people between when I was walking between classrooms trying to put together lease option deals. Wow, that's exciting. I love that story. Now, as far as in commercial deals, obviously everyone has their own role, things that they specialize in. I'm guessing that you specialize in that creative financing things and what kind of other roles or did you have to fill within your team just so our audience can get a sense for what kind of roles there are in a team and what they should look for if they don't have a certain strength in one area? Okay, so the investor, I, I think a broker is, essential, I think, on mm -hmm. the residential or commercial side. Now, a lot of commercial deals are done off market, right? Because you're networking with brokers. So you'll see most people get deals that way. So I think broker relationships is a huge part of your team. Obviously, you're going to need financing. So if you have private money partners or capital partners, that's huge. Mm -hmm. 
someone like me or other hard money or bridge financing experts, someone that can come in and help. Look, if you go buy an apartment building, for example, and it's only 10% occupied, you're not going to go to a mm-hmm. bank and get that. They don't want that yeah. because it's not what they call stabilized, right? They want it right. to be producing. So you have to go to a creative financing source to buy that, get it stabilized, and then you go to the bank and, and get yeah. financed. So a good bridge lender, I think, is good. And then banking relationships. I cannot overstate how important mm-hmm. good quality banking relationships yeah. are. Gosh, I just met with with one of the, was supposed to be the president, but a really high up executive sits on the loan committee uh, of our local bank. And we just sat down, had lunch. And it's those types of relationships and those types of meetings that really can answer business. I love that. Now, uh, I'm hearing a lot of kind of negative talk about bridge loans and people, it's getting a bad rap right now because of adjustable interest rates and the way that interest rates went up so quickly. So can you explain to our listeners who maybe are scared of these bridge loans, what's the best way to look at that and how to use that to their advantage rather than get caught on the wrong side of it? Sure. And the term bridge loan, all that really means is a means to an end, right? So a short-term solution. And it could be many different things. So some small little boutique company, like we have tons of creativity and tons of flexibility. There's some bridge lenders that are going to make you fit to the little box as well. For us, we're expensive. There's no getting around a hard money or a private money lending is expensive. We've charged two points origination, which is a percent of the loan amount. Mm-hmm. Each point is 1% of the loan amount at a fee and 12% interest. Um, but we don't have a loan to cost ratio. So that's a big benefit. And it's much cheaper than what you'd find in a partnership if you're doing good deals. But it's two and 12, but we've been two and 12, 15 years. Like we're not influenced by what's going on in the market. So gosh, a year ago, two and 12 sounded really expensive and we were selling <laughs> loans like crazy. Now it's a reasonable price. Right? <laughs> we're, we're getting not too far off from what the banks are charging mm-hmm. right now. I think it's just a tool in the tool belt and you may want to use it, you may not, but to understand it and to have that option, look, it's good to have the screwdriver when there's a screw, right? You want mm-hmm. the right tool and it's not going to be used every single time. You want to use it when it's going to be beneficial for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. What is next for you and your company? And where do you guys see yourselves growing in the next few years? I think there's going to be some opportunity in the commercial space. Like I said, it's an unbelievable Mm -hmm. amount of properties that are coming due in the next two years, and they're just not going to qualify for renewals. The DSCR is just out of whack. They're all going crazy. Mm -hmm. DSCR, I'm sure your listeners know, but debt service coverage ratio is a requirement by banks. And it's usually one, two to one, two, five, which means the rent covers 120% of the debt. And with interest rates doubling, that Mm -hmm. makes it very hard to hit that DSCR ratio. So a lot of these loans that are coming due are not going to qualify anymore. So I'm very curious, especially with the regulation pressure, I'm Mm -hmm. very curious what the banks do with these loans. So I think you're going to start seeing, you're going to start seeing more inventory and more opportunities. So what's next for me? I think we're going to We're taking a little step back from commercial right now. Maybe by the time this airs, we're going to be all in because I think that there's some opportunities. And then me personally, I'm I'm definitely looking more at the commercial. I'm dealing with a tenant right now in one of my condos. It's a little $200,000 condo. And it's like, why am I dealing with this little tiny, (laughs) so much money commercial space. So um, I own a little industrial building with a partner. It's a Goodyear's our tenant. Mm-hmm. And having a tenant like Goodyear is far better than having this oh, yeah. tenant. I think I'll be looking more to build my portfolio in the commercial space as well. Awesome. And for our listeners who maybe are in the same boat, they're newer in the industry, and maybe they're also waiting for when those good deals start to come. But what can they do in the meantime to learn and maybe just to get their feet wet instead of waiting for those deals to happen? 
I think doing what they're doing right now, listening to this, listen to podcasts, check out YouTube. We have a YouTube channel and we love, we're, I'm very proud of it. We, we're doing five to 10 minute videos every single week. Lots of uh, good content in there. Cash is super important though, right? So you want to make sure that you're deleveraging as much as you can stash mm -hmm. some cash and that's how you're going to be able to jump on the opportunities. But yeah, education, right? Do what you're doing right now. Perfect. All right, Kevin, thanks so much for being on the show today. Where is the best place people to find you online if they want to learn more about you and connect with you? It's YouTube. It's youtube.com backslash Pine Financial. Our website's pinefinancialgroup.com. I have a couple of free reports at thepinereport.com if someone's interested in investing passively in real estate or interested in the market. I do compare 1990 to what's going on today and the similarities and differences between those. It's very different than 2008, like we talked about. So mm -hmm. if you're interested in that report, I'll keep that at thepinereport.com. Perfect. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you guys enjoyed today's show, please write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Every review helps us to be able to reach more and more people looking to get involved in commercial real estate. Thank you so much. If you're looking to level up your investment game, join the Commercial Real Estate Bosses community. It's completely free and inside you will get access to our Passive Investing 101 Masterclass, as well as regular live trainings where you can ask questions and access to industry professionals and like-minded investors. Join for free today by going to crebosses.com slash join. That's crebosses.com slash join. Or click on the link below and I'll see you inside.